Move by Mamma Mia is the exercise app for anybody, anywhere. And in case you missed it, we dropped a brand new stretching collection that can be used to improve mobility and bookend your favourite sweat sessions. Mamma Mia subscribers get unlimited access to Move and we drop new workouts every single week. If you're on the hunt for movement that makes you feel good, head to move.mamamia.com.au and use the code MOVE10 to get $10 off a yearly subscription. You're listening to a Mamma Mia podcast. Mamma Mia acknowledges the traditional owners of land and waters that this podcast is recorded on. Hello, hello. Welcome to You Beauty, the podcast for your face. I'm your host, Chazzy Hunt, and if you are one of the many, many people out there who is grappling with skin pigmentation, then this is the episode you won't want to miss. I've called in the help of dermal clinician and Nutriderm skin expert, Jade Taylor, who's going to answer a heap of your questions about pigmentation and how you can get on top of it. Jade, welcome to the You Beauty podcast. Thanks so much, Shazzy. I'm so happy to be here. Now, before today's show, we put the word out on the UBD Facebook group asking people to send in any questions they had about pigmentation. And holy moly, there were a lot. Oh, really? (laughs) Are you surprised that there would still be so much confusion and uncertainty around this topic? I'm not because it is one of the biggest things that we treat in clinic and it's so common. But yeah, people always want to know about pigmentation because there's so many different types. Mm, Okay, well, let's start super duper simple. And I am going to pepper you with those listener questions all throughout the chat so you can get all our heads around every facet of pigmentation. But starting super simple, what is pigmentation? What does it look like? Where would you find it? Okay, so pigmentation is a red or brown dyschromia or discoloration in the skin. It can be spotted, it can be mottled, sprayed, it can look like a splat, it comes in all different shapes or sizes. It can be faint or it can be well demarcated with very clear edges. And is it only going to be on the face or is this something you're going to see like on the decolletage, on the neck, even other places on the body? It can be head to toe. Wow. Okay. But I guess obviously our face is the most exposed, so that's where it's going to get to in the first instance. Yeah. So the most common areas that people sort of want treated is the face, the neck and the decolletage. Let's go over to our first listener question of many for the day. This one comes from Michaela. How do you identify pigmentation and distinguish the difference between it and freckles? So Michaela, freckles are round, small spots that have well-defined edges and they can fade in winter and come back in the warmer months. So they're very clear little, we call them macules, and you know exactly sort of where they are. You've always got them. And the funny thing about freckles is we actually accumulate all of our freckles before the age of 20. Yeah, it's a fun, interesting fact. I swear that I've had more as I get older, but maybe they were just there and I didn't notice. I mean, I haven't gone and counted them or anything. Yeah, no. So we accumulate them before the age of 20 and then they just kind of come and go, come and go, come and go. Is there anything wrong with freckles? No, there's nothing wrong with freckles. I've got freckles. They make you you. The only thing you need to do is to obviously always get your new pigmentation checked. Everyone should be getting a skin check once a year because skin cancer is so prevalent, particularly in Australia and New Zealand. 
So just always go and get your pigmentation checked, but there's nothing wrong with freckles. They're very on trend at the moment. <laughs> when we think about causes of pigmentation, I think we kind of danced around it you know, with the sun exposure in summer, but what are the main causes of pigmentation? So obviously it is sun exposure from ultraviolet radiation and probably say the second cause is hormones. So often we have people who are triggered by things like pregnancy, taking the pill. Sometimes it's not even taking the pill or pregnancy, it's just going through a hormonal change in their life. And, you know, you, you commonly associate these things with women, but sometimes men can get it too. And sometimes medications can trigger these things and sometimes health disorders can trigger it too. And when we think about those causes. This question, actually, I won't credit as my own. This question's from Lauren. Are there any other causes besides the sun? What about heat? I've heard getting really hot during an indoor gym session could cause pigmentation. Is there any truth to that? Yeah, so Lauren's right. So heat can affect a condition known as melasma. Have you guys heard of melasma? So that's a hormonal skin condition brought on during pregnancy, right? Yeah, correct. So we or, or mask of pregnancy. So heat can affect mm. melasma because it causes a vasodilation and that's where it opens up the blood vessels and there's a vascular component to melasma. And this actually supplies the melanocyte or the pigment making cell to send it into overdrive and make more pigment and supply more pigment to the melasma area so the spots on the face and it sort of stimulates more of that inflammation and triggers it so we often say avoid heat avoid hot water avoid things like that on the face in many skin conditions but melasma is one of them so there's obviously so many different ways that pigmentation could arise and prevention's always better than the cure so when it comes to preventative measures for pigmentation what are some of the things you could do Always slip, slop, slap, always SPF. (laughs) (laughs) So safe sun practice. So always wearing an SPF 30 or 50 and always reapply it every two hours if you're outside or if you work near a window, you know, not just for pigment, but you'll thank yourself later for aging reasons and always be aware of that incidental sun exposure. So these are things like when you hop in the car, you haven't got SPF on and you go into a shop or a cafe, all those little excursions add up and you need to be aware of these things. Also think of things like getting your car tinted. There's actually a photo going around online of a man who was in a study and the side of his driver's side of his face is heavily photo damaged if you just google a man truck driver photo damaged yeah you'll see how damaged his skin is on one side of his face a real life case study of driving yeah sun exposure yeah and skincare wise prevention I would look into things like vitamin c so when we think about the melanogenesis process which is how our skin pigments, the melanin has to be oxidized in order to hit the skin. So the number one antioxidant we all know is vitamin C. And what this does is it will be an antioxidant to the pigment before it hits the skin. 
It also gives the skin a glow. It promotes collagen, which is also a bonus. The other thing I'd look into is retinol. So if you think you're appropriate for retinol, go for it. This also inhibits pigmentation along the same pigment process. And you should never wait until you've got a pigment problem to be using retinol. Start before you have the issue. And niacinamide. So this hasn't really been named a pigment inhibitor yet, but it does actually calm the transfer of pigment to the skin cells. So this is a really good one to get on now. Let's look at another listener question on this idea of prevention. This one's from Emma. Is there anything I could be eating that would make pigmentation better or maybe even make it worse? So Emma, there is nothing you can do food-wise that is going to affect your pigment. So nothing you can eat that's going to make it better or worse. Mm. Is there any other of these kind of general lifestyle things? Will sleep help? Will drinking lots of water help? The kinds of things you hear when it comes to other skin conditions, do they have any factor at all on pigmentation? Yeah, stress can affect it. Stress definitely. So try and keep your stress levels down. Yeah, stress is always a trigger for a lot of skin conditions. Hormones and stress are always the number one and two triggers. Let's move things over from prevention to management of pigmentation and let's go back to that skincare routine. So here's a question from Abby. What is the ideal recommended at-home skincare routine when you have pigmentation? So definitely need to cleanse once in the morning. And then you need a vitamin C antioxidant in the morning as well because it needs to help with the pollution, free radical damage and all of that in the morning. Mm. Then you can apply a moisturiser and then your SPF, always SPF. And then reapply throughout the day as well. And then in the evening, you can cleanse twice, always cleanse twice in the evening because we need to remove the SPF, we need to remove the makeup and we need to ensure our skin is very, very clean before we start applying serums. A lot of people will generally use a retinol at night if that's appropriate and you generally apply the retinol first depending on what kind of retinol it is. And then you will apply a niacinamide second for a basic routine. And then you can apply your moisturizer last. So just for a very basic routine, you can do vitamin C in the morning, vitamin B3 niacinamide and retinol. So you just got your A, your B and your C. Brilliant. They're the heavy hitters basically as far as key ingredients for tackling pigmentation. Yeah. Each one of those target a different process in the melanogenesis process, which is how we pigment. So if we can target different areas of how we pigment, then that would be ideal for someone who's not heavily pigmented and just wants to work on sort of prevention. This listener question is from Mel then. What about hydroquinone to treat pigmentation? How efficient is that and what combinations or percentages are most effective? So with hydroquinone, it really depends on your pigment. Anything over 4%, it can give you sort of mild irritation, can make the skin really dry and things like that. Generally, the percentages used are 2 to 5, and that's considered the most effective, but it only works on the epidermal or superficial pigment. What does that mean then? It's going to reoccur? It can reoccur if you get exposed to more UV light or you could get another trigger, like let's say you fall pregnant Mm. again or things like that. And I don't think it's the most efficient because 
you can get lasers, you can get other treatments. Again, it's more used as sort of a last resort or I would say in clinic now because there are so many other options out there. Like there's a lot of doctors only serums out there that we can build or we can make instead of using that because it does come with quite a lot of side effects. Are there any other prescription skincare or even oral medication that you could be looking to explore for pigmentation? So Roaccutane is used mainly for acne, but it can help with some of that redness that is left behind that some people think is pigmentation. So we call it post-inflammatory erythema, which is like the little red marks left over from acne. So it can help with that, but it wouldn't be the main thing that people would go to for pigmentation. Let's check out another listener question. This one's from Louisa. Do at-home LED masks help? Obviously, everyone's very into these after lockdown and during lockdowns when we couldn't go to clinics. Are they going to help at all as far as pigmentation? If you've got the right one, yes. If it's a green light, there's studies behind that saying that it can help with pigmentation. Red light, it can help with building collagen, calming inflammatory cells to also help with that. And infrared light can help with the deeper dermal pigmentation and potentially calm those inflammatory mediators. So green, red and infrared. And then the thing I always hear with these masks is they have to be used in a consistent way in order to get any real results. Yes, absolutely. So yeah, you probably want to be using it at least three times a week and be mindful that sometimes your blue light can temporarily trigger pigment to go a bit darker. And then onto those in-clinic treatments. This question's from Brittany. What treatments or facials at a clinic are going to be the best for addressing pigmentation? So 100% laser, and there's two categories here in laser. So you've got laser laser and then you've got IPL. So IPL is really good for treating the epidermal or the superficial pigment. And then your laser is really good for treating the deeper dermal pigmentation. You can also use a variety of chemical peels. There's actually a peel out there called Cosmolan. Cosmolan is actually, they've got every pigment inhibitor in there to treat facial pigmentation, mask of pregnancy, things like that. You do shed like a snake with it for quite a few days, but it's very, very effective. You can also use some needling procedures as well. And then there's your fractional ablative lasers. You might have heard of things like Fraxel. Have you heard of Fraxel? Yes. Yeah, so things like Fraxel, CO2 lasers, where it doesn't completely ablate the tissue away, but there's a bit of downtime with it. They're really great for treating pigmentation as well. So they're probably the top ones, I'd say, for getting treated. And then on lasers, the question from Jen was, which lasers are going to be best for which types of pigmentation? So people always want to know about brands usually. So I would probably say Fraxel and I'd probably say there's a dermatology laser that we use in clinic at my work, which is called the XLV. But I really think that it doesn't matter about brands. It's down to the operator and you just really need to be asking about what their qualifications are, how long they've been working and what their experience is and always ask for before and afters. But yeah, probably Fraxel is really great for pigment and we call it an ND YAG laser for that deeper dermal pigment. 
And then you mentioned skin needling. So Kate's question was, I've heard skin needling works well with sun and age-related pigmentation, but it can make hormonal pigmentation worse. Is that true? Yeah, so that's 100% correct, Kate. So hormonal pigment can be made temporarily darker after needling, and we actually call this transient pigment darkening. However, let's say that this person had had their needling at a place where the operator wasn't 100% aware that they had needled too deep and they'd had the settings too high, then this hormonal pigment can become permanent. This is why it's always really important to make sure that the patient is on good pigment inhibitors, skincare, well before the treatment, and that the patient is always seeing someone that knows exactly what they're doing because you can get needling and you can actually needle pigment-inhibiting ampules into the skin and get a little bit of a lifting of the pigment that way. However, I really think lasers is probably where it's at. And then finally, I want to talk about managing pigmentation in the long term. And we had some really interesting questions on this idea. So from Priscilla, she asked, I've heard people say that they've used a particular cream and it worked really well for pigmentation, but then as soon as they stopped using it, the brown spots returned. Is that inevitable? Unfortunately, it is. So particularly if people drop the ball with their good sun behavior and their skincare. So Some people can keep it at bay for years. Other people can keep it at bay for six months. Other people are coming back in every few months. It really depends. And it depends on how you pigment. So the fairer the person is, so like a redhead, for instance, they'd be coming back in all the time because it's just really hard to sort of keep their pigment at bay. Someone with melasma might be coming in every time after they've had a child So they might just get on the good skincare, have a laser session after every childbirth and then get it sorted. You just got to be aware of the trigger. If your trigger is hormonal, if it's a baby, if it's stress, if it's the pill, and you just got to be aware of that and then manage that. If it's a little sunspot, then you can remove it and you need to be aware of where that sunspot is and manage that trigger. So pigment can be triggered by so many things. And you just need to be aware of it's, you know, is it a medical condition? Is it medicine? Is it stress? Is it hormones? But mainly it's UV and you just need to protect that, protect your skin and use the right skincare and then you'll be right. Challenge accepted. Jade, thank you for joining (laughs) us on the UBD podcast today and letting me pick your brain about pigmentation. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. And also thank you to all the Ubies who wrote in today with such amazing and thoughtful questions. I hope we've been able to give you some clarity today and get you on your way to your best skin yet. Thanks for listening. I'm Shazzy Hunt. My producer is Gia Moylan. And if you're looking for something else to listen to, why not check out The Undone, a Mamma Mia podcast hosted by Emma and Lucy, two 20-somethings, where every week they recount one of their terrible or funny dating stories. Take a listen. The check comes around, a nice juicy $220 bill, and he shows me his bank balance. Not a single cent is in his account. Not a single cent. He took me to an expensive restaurant in Manly with $0 in his bank balance. I paid, we left, then queued the next couple of weeks of trying to get my money off him. Mm.
You can find that here on your favorite podcast app. Speak to you next time.